Good afternoon, traders. How we doing out there in this tough, bearish market? It's, uh, I don't even know if I should have red lights anymore. It's looking more like a red light day. So uh, it's tough trading out there. Let's talk about the topics that we got for today. We got a lot to talk about. We got the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. We got sanctions on Boeing and Raytheon. FedEx disaster really dragging the market here. Uber hack, AstraZeneca's COVID-19 antibodies. We'll talk about that. General Electric warns Genius Sports, Tesla rating, Bolero, Bear Cave short report on Coinbase. We'll be talking to Bear Cave Substack's author, Edwin Dorsey on at 115. I told you guys, we covered that short report. I'd get Edwin on. That would be at 1.15. Don't miss that. And we'll also talk a lot about commodities coming on up with our 145 guests. We got Jake Hanley, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Specialist at Tucrium Trading. We've uh, had on Tucrium Trading before. And we're going to take a look at the commodities, see what we see there, what's happening with wheat, corn, soybean. Stick around. We got a lot to talk about right here on Stock Market Movers. I'm your host, Money Mitch, and let's dive on in to today's show. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers all the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day they say money is the oxygen of capitalism and i want to breathe more than any man alive all right traders how we doing out there definitely let me know what you guys are seeing in the market let's go ahead let's dive in Let's take a look at the SPY and where it's trading at on the day. Just trying to make this full screen so that we can pull it up. There's the SPY. Let's take a look. And we are getting a little bit of a bounce there from those lows of the 382.50 area. Will they hold on? It hasn't really held above the VWAP today. We got a little moment where we went up there towards the 385.50s. Let's take a look because we need a bounce. It's been going down really fast since yesterday's kind of action where we cut through the 388s. Now we're at 383s and continuing down. It doesn't look good right now. Um, and definitely those June lows are, a lot of people were talking, would we get back down there? A lot of people were looking to see if that was going to be the number that got us down there. Now we're really starting to come down really fast here. We'll see what happens there as we're down towards 382. Will we get to 370s next week? 365? I'm not sure right now. Definitely, it looks like some front running into, of course, the interest rate hike and, of course, the FedEx disaster. But let's get into the topics today. The first topic of the day is going to be all on the University of Consumer Sentiment Index. So the preliminary reading for September came in at 59.5. Above 50 is not a bad reading. So I just want to go ahead and point that out. Um, of course, August final reading was 58.2. So it went up a little bit, but below the estimate of 60. So at least the consumer is seeing things get a little bit better. But just like we're seeing in inflation, 
probably not doing it as fast as everyone wants it to be, right? Uh, or the University of Michigan consumer sentiment is at least showing here. And so even though we are seeing a change in energy prices and expectations for inflation moving forward, it still isn't fast enough to really change the consumer sentiment. So it's trouble out there. And we'll see if this reading clicks back down. We really want it to get back above into the 60. All right. And that wasn't the only kind of major news coming out. Let's keep going. I thought this was a real interesting and definitely a headline that I want to keep following on is with China. So China has announced sanctions on the CEO of Boeing Defense and Raytheon over their involvement in Washington's latest arms sales to Taiwan. Of course, we're keeping close on that situation with China and Taiwan. Will that escalate? One of the things that I think is definitely not a good thing is continuing, continuing, continuing to kind of give arms to Taiwan because in the long run, China's going to get to a point where they might do something. And this is definitely a big concern and would drag us down in the market. So definitely not something that I want to see, but something I'm keeping in mind, especially for the long-term investors out there. All right, just catching up with the chat. What's going on out there, Daniel Plus? Did you trade today? No, I got crushed today, Daniel. Um, I didn't get crushed in my actual account, but in my trading competition, you guys know I've been doing a little bit of a trading competition with my CMT association. I got crushed, and that happens. But one thing I did was cut some of the losses. I still got some trades on out there, Target and MOS. But of course, it's for the competition. We'll see if they bounce. But did I trade today? No, I didn't take any new positions. I was closing positions today, but definitely got crushed. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the disaster stock of the day, of course. FedEx. Let's get into it. FBX here. Uh, giving kind of preliminary results of their earnings. Of course, their earnings aren't really even scheduled till next week. But these are the kind of comments that can really shake us up because no one was expecting this to hit the tape after 4 p.m. FedEx sees Q1 adjusted EPS at $3.44, sales at $23.2 billion. And FedEx is withdrawing their fiscal year 23 earnings forecast provided on June 23rd. Also, you saw the CEO Raj on CNBC's Jim Cramer show on Thursday, and he stated that he believes a recession is impending for the global economy. And so definitely keep your eyes on this. The weakening global shipment volumes are what drove FedEx disappointing earnings uh, and disappointing results here. And it has gotten just completely killed here in the pre-market, went down all the way in the pre-market towards a low of 158, intraday low at 155 right now. We'll see if that can even hold on the day today. Of course, you're you're wanting for that to kind of hold and bounce back a little bit. UPS coming down on this also, definitely getting hit with the warning putting out there of global economy um, kind of coming back. I mean, this is not what we're looking for, a recession in the global economy I mean, this is not going to help. And of course, FedEx does have a lot of kind of global business. So they do see the data coming from all over, not just the United States. And I think that this is definitely signs of concern. 
XPO also coming down on that. And so keep your eyes to see what happens with this situation as it expands. But for right now, it just drove the market down. And I've heard before, Mark Chaikin, who we have on pre-market prep from time to time, has said it, that FedEx is a good indicator of the U.S. economy or the economy overall. And you guys are seeing FedEx just get hit hard here. Now down to 160s. And I mean, we're going right back towards those pandemic numbers. Almost seems like all these stocks are just trying to give up their fluff that they got, of course, with all that free money that came out. And it just goes to show me, was that really worth it, right? Was it worth it to kind of fluff stocks off uh, up that high? And then, of course, now crushing investors in the long run, at least for the short being, uh, short term being right now. It's just tough to see this decline, of course, and a lot of pump that we got in these stocks. All right, let's get out of FedEx. Let's go towards the next headline, which is about the Uber hack. And so let's go to Uber and see how it's trading on the day. Let's go to the 15 minute, get a little bit closer. You can see how it came down in the pre-market. I've just been trading sideways. A lot of these stocks trading sideways. But what happened here? Uber said its computer network was breached on Thursday. The person claiming responsibility for the hack sent images of email, cloud storage, and code re uh, repositories to the cybersecurity research at New York Times. Um, and they also stated here, uh, this was from Sam Curry, a security engineer at Yuga Labs, stated that they pretty much have full access to Uber. This is a total compromise from what it looks like. The hacker, only 18 years old, claimed to breach the company for fun and might leak the source code in a few months. So um, we'll see what happens with Uber. How did this also affect Lyft? Let's see. Lyft also getting hit because I'm sure they're not, you know, their safety isn't too far off of Uber's. You would think that Uber's would be a little bit stronger, but Uber definitely getting hacked here and not what you wanted to see. I mean, definitely. Now in this generation, hacks are just happening all over the place. Stock getting hit on that. We'll see what happens with Uber, see if they're able to bounce back. All right, getting out of the Uber talk, let's keep it going. Let's go towards a next warning that I had, which was on GE. So General Electric down after the chief financial officer stated in a conference that supply chains are still affecting the company's ability to deliver products to customer in a timely manner. And so at this point, you can see GE, it just, it can't catch a break. This stock just can't catch a break. And I'll tell you right now, GE just doesn't look like a great investment. It looks like what it is, a dog right now in this market. And it's getting hit again, even though it did the split, got itself back over that 100. And that, of course, came here on August last year, August 2nd. I thought that that would be the time that we could possibly see it hold the 100. And you can see it's right back down to 65. And even though they did a reverse split trying to get the price up, looks like they might have to do another one because GE not being able to hang on and supply chain concerns coming back up. All right, catching the chat. What's going on out there, Aaron, Brian? But you can't short. How can you win on a day like today? The competition is rigged. I agree with that. 
Don't worry, Aaron, Brian. I'm, I'm battling here in the competition. And if you can't go short, I mean, really, it's not really the real market. But, hey, I'm going to do what I can. And just like a lot of money managers, try to manage the losses, manage the losses, and try to ride that up wave. Gave back a lot of the gains that I had from some solar plays. But we'll keep battling. And that's what I'll let you know won't happen is me quit. So we're still in the green and that's what matters. We're still in the green on the account and that's what matters about cutting the loss, but we got to keep battling. All right, let's keep going. We'll see what's going on. I see you guys talking about new option longs today. Hey, power to you. We'll see if they're able to bounce. FedEx wasn't a surprise for Daniel as FedEx reported cut to the offices and contracted jobs. No one paid attention. Well, good to note there, Daniel. If you were able to catch it, I'm glad. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the next topic here. Next one is AstraZeneca here with their drug maker received EU approval for its COVID-19 antibody cocktail, AZN. And I've been looking to see what's going to go on with the drug manufacturers, where they're going to get some lift. Well, today uh, you had SNY getting a little bit of a bounce Merck. Johnson and Johnson, that's probably the one that's looking the best for me. Want to see if it can close above 165 today. I'm going to keep that one on my radar. But let's go back to AstraZeneca here as you're seeing it come down. And it just seems to me like this is one of those headlines that is just way too late to the party. Another thing to kind of note, I always look at long-term trends and looking to see if they're going to break kind of a long-term trend line that it's been respecting for a long time. If this keeps coming down in the direction that it's heading and it comes through, let's say, towards 55, you could watch out because you could start breaking trend on on AstraZeneca. Just keep paying attention, guys. I've been talking about kind of longer term uh, trend breaks like I pointed out in Microsoft. Those are the ones that once they break, it's very hard to come back because it's kind of more of a weekly outlook, long term trend lines. I look when those break, you got to be careful in the market all right getting out of that talk um let's keep it going here i got a lot to talk about in a short period of time in a second we're going to be joined by edwin dorsey as we get into coinbase of course uh recently just put out a short report on coinbase so um let me know in the chat what do you guys think about coinbase have you guys used their service or not and we'll see um, I remember Coinbase when it first started coming down. I've been thinking that this eventually gets down even towards, let's say, 50s below 25s could get out of business one day. So I can't blame for the short report. We'll talk about exactly what was in that short report coming on up next with Edward Dorsey and the Bear Cave. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at another stock that was getting a little bit of a lift a smaller stock here. We're going to talk about Genius Sports getting a little bit of a lift off of what a news with a bigger name. I always look for smaller names to get teamed up with a bigger name. That usually helps the stock. So Genius Sports said on September 15th that the unit second spectrum uh, secured agreement with Amazon to provide augmented video technology and data related to services in connection with the alternative feed for Prime Video's Thursday night football NFL broadcast in the United States. Of course, they have a long-term contract now, uh, Amazon, for those Thursday night games. 
And this definitely helps out Genius Sports and giving them a little bit more kind of exposure into what people watch versus just the data behind sports. So it was interesting to see kind of that Amazon kind of connection. And I don't know if you guys caught Thursday Night Football, but uh, there was kind of different streams. Now they're doing more of an entertainment side, a stat-focused side, kind of analytics-side-focused, and then, of course, your standard broadcast. So we'll see if this could actually get Genie off the ground. And as you guys know, full disclosure, I still hold the Genie bag and we'll see if it ever comes back. All right, let's keep going. Let's get out of Genie. It looks like I got my man. We're ready to start the bear cave because the bear cave is coming out. And I know that the bears in the chat are going to go roaring and the bulls might go running. But let's go ahead. Let's get into our first interview today. All right, let's bring on the Bear Cave Substack author here, Edwin Dorsey. Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me on, Mitch. It's always fun to be on Benzinga. Definitely glad to have you back. You know, one thing was first, I was actually, I think, trading when I had this news kind of hit the tape. And someone says, short report on Coinbase. And I, you know, I just pull up my pro and I take a look and I said, hold on, I know that name, the Bear Cave. We're going to have to bring Edwin on and find out all about this. So excited to go ahead and dive on into Coinbase. Of course, uh, you guys put out a newsletter. And if you guys haven't done so before, definitely follow the Bear Cave. Let's go into Coinbase. Let's see what you guys were looking at here, uh, pointing towards the downside. The first thing that caught my eye, of course, were kind of the bankruptcy concerns. Tell me a little bit about this and why do you guys see some concerns here? So there's no real immediate risk to Coinbase right now for a potential bankruptcy. They have about a $15 billion market cap. They have about $5 billion of cash. There's no immediate concern right there. But at the end of Q1, they added this interesting disclaimer saying that in the event of a bankruptcy, if it were to occur, not that it's likely anytime soon, uh, customers could be treated as uh, unsecured creditors. And normally, like if you're at a bank and have deposits or if you're at Morgan Stanley and have deposits, like that money is yours, regardless of whether the institution goes bankrupt or not. So a lot of people in the crypto world were spooked to say, wait a second, I, I got a ton of Bitcoin, Ethereum or whatever at Coinbase. And if they for some reason went under, my coins might not be secure. So the whole idea of being kind of independent of the financial system Here's another potential disadvantage of if you're using Coinbase. And while there's like no immediate risk of bankruptcy right now, they are losing a billion dollars a quarter. And if that continues, they have about five months of cash runway left. And if you look online, the moment that news came out, it was a ton of negative publicity. There were people on YouTube talking about how you should move out of Coinbase. And because it's such like a rich, intense environment, I, I think it's another talking point competing exchanges can use to potentially take people away from Coinbase, which is one of the big risks here. Of course, when this one came out, it, it seemed like it was an investor favorite, at least from analysts out there. I remember uh, calls of 400, 300, and uh, now we're at $74. So uh, it definitely has been seemed like the competition has been getting tight here for Coinbase. Tell me a little bit about the highly competitive space that they're in and what you see in the competition. 
So Mitch, as I kind of highlighted in my article, Coinbase maybe two years ago was the dominant platform. Now that's totally not the case. Right now you can go and buy Bitcoin or Ethereum on Robinhood, Square, PayPal, Gemini, SoFi, Webull, eToro, Binance, public.com, crypto.com, FTX. And that heating a competitive space makes it difficult for Coinbase to grow and attract users. It makes their customer acquisition costs much more expensive. What some people don't really know is Coinbase kind of has dominated with more of the retail low dollar traders. That's what they've done really well with, where FTX and some of the other platforms where really FTX has done excellent with the high dollar, more sophisticated traders. So Coinbase tends to have uh, low dollar traders and charges high fees up to 0.6% per transaction, so like half a percent per transaction, while FTX might be one-tenth of that, and but a much smaller user base. So FTX on like 3% market share has 10 times the volume of Coinbase just because they get those high dollar traders who are trading a lot, attracted by the low fees. That also means that now that FTX has started a push for more of the retail trading base, they're going to be eating to Coinbase's market share there. So uh, last week, as I highlighted in my newsletter, uh, FTX announced a partnership with GameStop, where GameStop is going to, as part of that partnership, carry FTX uh, uh, gift cards in their stores, which is just a clear sign FTX is going after Coinbase's average Joe retail trader base and just another huge headwind for the company. So FTX's fees about 90% lower than Coinbase. Crypto.com, which has done a lot of advertising, um, they had those viral Matt Damon crypto ads. They have fees of roughly 75% lower than Coinbase. So you get two big competitors, FTX and Crypto.com, along with a lot of others coming in at a much lower fee structure. That That, that is going to cause problems for Coinbase. And it's going to make it difficult for them to attract new users. It's going to make them it difficult to retain existing users with the high fee structure they have. Uh, all of that is not good. And one kind of fundamental problem with Coinbase's model is Coinbase is all just about cryptocurrency trading, where a lot of these other platforms like a Robinhood or a Fidelity or even an FTX, they'll offer equi equity trading and other lines of business, and they can use cri uh, crypto as a loss leader to recruit new people in. So, you know, all these places are advantaged where they can do crypto at no cost. They don't even need to make money on it because they can just make money on their other things like equity trading. While here, Coinbase is kind of stuck, kind of in a bad position of needing to charge higher fees to make their uh, business viable. Well, my question here would be, and I always look at it, is competitive advantages, right? Does Coinbase have a competitive advantage here? Well, I think Coinbase, you know, has a good brand. They've never been hacked. They've never lost customer funds. Uh, they, they, they are a well-known brand. So in terms of brand, like people know Coinbase much better than they know FTX. Coinbase has a good brand. Coinbase also had 9 million uh, roughly monthly active users or monthly transacting users is the figure in their uh, most recent quarter. So you have a, a good existing user base, people who have accounts who frankly might not want to switch. So they might be locked in and, and a big brand and you have $5 billion in cash. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of have an inferior product, at least when it comes to the fees. Uh, and I, 
as I talk a lot about in the article, I think you have an inferior management team. I do not think the CEO C-suite here is good. And we've seen some of that boiled to the surface with an employee petition to replace the chief people officer and chief operating officer. But I think the situation there with the management team is much, much worse than uh, people think. Now, let's talk a little bit uh, about the article, and it does uh, fire a little bit at CEO Brian Armstrong. Uh, what did you see that could be negative for the company overall? So, you know, most CEOs, especially of big companies, uh, I think tend to be really in touch with their employee base and try not to avoid, try to avoid public spectacle. That doesn't seem to be the case with Brian Armstrong. In, in response to, you know, the employee uh, petition to replace some leaders who the employees were calling out of touch and indifferent, he goes on Twitter publicly to say, this is a really dumb petition and threatens to fire employees who are involved in this type <laughs> of conduct. And it's like, you, you know, there's no way to tank morale faster than to say what your employees are doing is really dumb, especially if they're accusing your management team of being out of touch. And, you know, if you listen to his podcast interviews, he doesn't strike me as particularly mature or thoughtful. Uh, it, it just seems amateurish in a lot of ways. And that's reflected most importantly in the talent retention and Glassdoor reviews. And there's an anonymous app called Blind where a lot of tech employees post reviews. And on there, people are saying there's a brain drain. Coinbase stock obviously hasn't done well. And uh, when the stock is falling and options are investing, people are more likely to leave. So you're seeing a lot of talent leave Coinbase. They laid off about 20% of their workforce. Uh, and usually the first employees to go when you have indifferent leadership or unpopular leadership is the best employees. Like, you know, the worst employees need a job and they stick around. But if you have unhappy employees, the best employees are the ones who leave ship first. And you, it just adds to this like huge um, list of problems the company has. Uh, of just an unhappy employee base. And over and over again, Armstrong has caused these little ruckuses. You know, he claimed credit for developing their Super Bowl ad when he did it. And the ad agency that developed called him out on Twitter in like a viral moment that added to more bad publicity. He banned employees from doing any political activism like during work time. But then the company has about $200 million of uh, company stock they reserved for like philanthropic endeavors. So it's it's kind of odd to say, hey, employees on your own time, no politics at work at all and no activism at work at all. But the company is also has $200 million war chest that we use for our philanthropic purposes. Uh, it, 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 it does not seem like a clear leadership. It does not seem like a mature leadership. And it's a leadership that's left a lot of employees unhappy. Now, of course, uh, the question I think would be is, uh, can Coinbase survive the prolonged crypto winter? Because I feel like we're in one right now. So that's totally true. And what a Coinbase bull might say, Mitch, is, you know, Coinbase did very, did very well in the boom time of 2021. And now we're in a bust. And, you know, it's a crypto winter, but the good times will come back again. My, my view is that the good times, even if they come back, aren't going to be nearly as good as before. Because in 2021, Coinbase was the dominant platform. If you were an investor looking to trade cryptocurrency, you were going to Coinbase. Now, in a boom time again, I don't think that's going to be the case. 
Um, I, I think you, you're going to see a lot of people, retail investors, go to FTX, Crypto.com, Robinhood. There's going to be a lot more alternatives that take away Coinbase's growth during a good time. Also, their fees are unsustainable. So I think if they cut fees by half and their user growth gets cut in half, adding that together, that's going to make the boom times uh, nowhere near as good. Also, what differentiated Coinbase from a lot of the past, the other platforms, is they list a lot more coins on their platform. So Robinhood right now, I believe, has around 16 coins you can trade, while Coinbase has over 200, including ones like SushiCoin. And that made them a much more attractive platform in 2021's boom, when a lot of it was fo focused on altcoins. But, you know, for me, I'm a big Bitcoin fan. I'm not a fan of all the other altcoins. If you think that is the future, uh, th that tends to trade less. That tends to be Bitcoin trading is kind of ubiquitous everywhere. It's not something special to Coinbase. So if there's another boom where it's all in altcoins and that's what people want to trade, Coinbase might do really well. But because I think that's been played out, most of the altcoins that are scams or a lot have uh, drastically underperformed. I think that means future booms because Coinbase's business with so much around altcoins uh, are going to be less lucrative for Coinbase. Yeah, and you're um, losing, so, sorry, Mitch, what, okay. like you're losing a billion dollars a quarter, over a billion dollars a quarter with $5 billion of cash. So you got a year and a quarter left to write the ship. And yeah. I think there's a lot of things pointing in the wrong direction. Definitely. That's why I was wondering, could they make it if we had a prolonged crypto winter, right? If we had, you know, two, three years of coming down. And of course, the interest should probably demand go down away from cryptocurrency as the price comes down. So we'll definitely have to keep following to see what happens in the Coinbase situation. But I appreciate you coming on today. Definitely joining me today. Edwin Dorsey, the Substack author of The Bear Cave. And it's time I'll, I'll get out of the bear cave. Wanted to join you today a little bit in the bear cave. <laughs> I love it. But uh, thank you for joining me today, Edwin. And you're always welcome to come back on. If you ever have another company you want to come and, and talk about, the floor is yours, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one, Edwin. All right. I'm going to go ahead and continue going with the headlines on out there. And yes, I'm out the bear cave. Let's go ahead. Let's see what happens in the market. Can we get a bounce? I, I want to see if we could get a little bit of a bounce. Let's take a quick check in in the market. Looks like we're still fighting down through the lows right now. A little bit concerning to see that we're still fighting those lows. We could break them here or we could rally into the kind of the afternoon, right? You, you, a lot of times I've been seeing kind of the 3 p.m. move. Pay attention to that. The power hour, as they call it sometimes. We'll see what happens there. And will we hit 382s again? One of the stocks that I was watching earlier in the day was Apple. And I drew this line immediately. I said, a crack of 148, 48s on the downside. we got to be a little concerned. A move back above 150, 53. Maybe that could be the move that starts getting us to bounce a little bit. We'll see what happens there. All right, let's keep going. I hope that you guys enjoyed us talking about the Coinbase. And Coinbase, and I, I got I to gotta say it, I, 
I've been kind of a bear in that stock too. So can't blame the outlook from the bear cave. And now let's keep going. A little bit later today, we will be having another interview. So don't go anywhere. we got a lot to talk about today. At 145, we'll be joined by Jake Hanley, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Specialist at Tucrium Trading. And we'll get into agricultural commodities. So stick around. It's going to be exciting to talk about that. All right, let's keep going. Let's do the next headline here. Next headline is going to be on Tesla. Yes, I know that you guys are probably excited to hear about Tesla. So let me know in the chat what you guys think about Tesla. Put a one if you're a Tesla bull. Put a two if you're a bear out there. We'll see what happens. Let's go towards Tesla here. As you're seeing it bounce back a little bit today. This is one of the charts that I've been talking about on the daily is looking a lot better. You know, there was a time right here when we were cracking really fast here on this kind of first kind of crack that we were coming down here. I thought we would break back down towards the 200. We held it when we reclaimed here. It looks like 300 seems to be the level where, you know, you have that little bit of a fight, but look at the the moving averages. They're slowly moving below the price action. That's a good sign for us, especially if we can get a breakout towards the 320s. So this is one of my favorite charts on just purely the technical outlook. Let's hear about the fundamentals and what happened in this rating from Deutsche Bank. And so like always, one of the things that's important to me is always looking at the stories, the fundamentals, and the technicals. That's how I get my highest conviction trades. Let's take a look here. Deutsche Bank hiking Tesla's price target saying shares could rally more than 30%. Analyst Emmanuel Rosner upped his price target on Tesla to 400 from 375, citing Inflation Reduction Act battery production credits and elevated production at its Texas and Berlin facility. Um, so one thing that we can see here, he added a little bit more on the note. He said, we view 2023 as a pivotal year in which Tesla continues to grow volume at high pace, enters new segments with Cybertruck and the Semi, and optimizes its manufacturing footprint, benefits from IRA watch, and will lower its cost and boost demand, Rosner wrote. And so here you guys see it. Good outlook there given here and a price target of 375. Of course, that's going to be up in this area here. We'll see if we can get on up there. I think if we can get to 320, he's not going to be looking too bad. So if he was looking at this on a technical base, doesn't look too bad. Looks like he has some fundamentals and he's looking for some business segments to really kind of boost that revenue up. We'll keep watch on the cyber truck and the semi. That's really what I think could be the driver. If you are going to get it through those levels, definitely keep your eyes on how those reaction come, especially the Cybertruck, the Semi. It's going to be a big move for Tesla when we really start seeing them rolling on out. So keep your eyes on that. Deutsche Bank taking a shot for Tesla. All right, let's keep going. Um, let's go towards Bolero here. Bolero was an interesting stock for me uh, just because you know, there's so many SPACs that have struggled. And I will say, it, you know, as someone that kind of ran a SPAC show, the SPACs struggled a lot of them. But there's some of these that were the most hated when they came out at first. But look at it. It's not hated overall. It's been pretty good, kind of solid winner here. Bolero, it did come down from when it first IPO or when it first came out, the SPAC and de 
but it eventually recovered that $10 price point and now has been holding, working its way steady on up. And their earnings came in here with $267.7 million, beating the $195.17 million estimates. So showing me a little bit that people are willing to bowl. Didn't expect to hear that. But hey, you never know what comes out in the headlines. All right, let's go ahead. Let's keep going. Let's go into my favorite segment, which is what is hot? And what was not? Let's take a look into the market and see what is finally getting into the green. Hopefully something. Communication services unchanged from the open. Some of these stocks like high cap stocks, uh, we could take a look here. I was taking a look at Verizon, catching a little bit of a bounce there off the ground. Um, we'll see if it can kind of really kind of bounce and hold this move. It's trying to hold above 41 of course, this is all looked upon because it's a dividend play, right? High dividend play, just like AT&T. But as you can see, even AT&T couldn't hold on today. So definitely into the red. Uh, utilities weren't looking too bad today. If you take a look there at Duke, it's kind of sideways trying to hold on. These were the names that I was looking at this morning, uh, like Excel Energy. Could this get a bounce back? I'm keeping my name on these and Keeping my eye, uh, a lot of this because of what was shown up in the CPI data, which was what high electricity prices and high natural gas prices for these companies. So we'll see how Southern Company closes the day. But that looks interesting for a move back towards 78. I'll keep Southern Company on my radar, especially on the pullback of this daily support. Can it hold there at 77 and make its way back towards the 80? We'll see what happens there in some utilities. Now, consumer defensives. This is where I found a little bit of a pocket of relative strength, which was in discount stores. I took a shot there in my competition account on Target. It's bouncing back a little bit today. But let's take a look at someone like a leader. A leader right now in this industry is BJ. I remember we were watching for it here for the breakout. This was on August 18th. And we drew this looking for the push above the trend line. And look at that. It created a nice push and continued on up. Now trying to get through the 80s. A little part of me gets interested in BJ talking about, uh, you know, kind of these wholesale departments. We saw Walmart mentioned that Sam's had its, you know, best membership and even raised their price. Costco is what I'm wondering about. Will Costco come in with good earnings? Their earnings are scheduled for the 22nd. So we're not too far away, six days away. What will happen to Costco there? Honestly, a little part of me is questioning. Is this a good play here? The earnings have been tough. We'll see what happens there on Costco. Dollar Tree also getting some lift today. I talked about that one in pre-market prep. Was looking to see what would happen to this. You know, this is a beaten down name. Dollar Trees usually do well when we're looking at recession times. But really, it's all about Dollar General. This is one probably that has not gotten that down gap that looks stronger to me and kind of more of a winner here. And it really is bouncing back today, showing some strength, relative strength. DG, we'll see if it can come back and take out highs. Ollie, another one that kind of keep on watch, has pulled back significantly, but could make another move back up through the 60 level. We'll see what happens in the discount stores as they're getting a little bit of lift today. Even Walmart getting a little bit of lift. Can Walmart get back through the 200-day average there? 200-day is at 
45. We'll see if Walmart can get there. Like I said, at least in my uh, competition account, taking the target trade there. So we'll see if target gets back up. I'm looking for a 170 move. And if we could get that, start getting back into that shadow zone. Maybe we get Walmart to also get back through that 200 day. And we're looking a lot better in the discount stores. We'll see what happens there. So definitely a, a little bit more of a consumer defensive name. Uh, I saw some confectioners moving on up, Mondelez, kind of the names that you expect to see when the market is down big. Um, what got hit the most? Energy. Energy just doesn't want to give that lift there. And even uh, a name like Oxy that has some, you know, Warren Buffett kind of support. A lot of people taking shots in Occidental Petroleum because of Warren Buffett. It's still coming on down here. And uh, the price of oil was bouncing back today. So that wasn't the worst thing to kind of keep on watch. I'm going to take a really quick outlook here of WTI. I've just been watching it today. It's right now at 85.45. I've been looking for a move back above 90 as earlier in the week. We topped out around there and then came back down towards around 85.10. Let's see if we can get it back through 88s, 48s and get through the 90s again and then look to see if we start pushing back towards 100. Are we stuck in between a range or are we stuck more in a stab stabilization zone in between the 80s and 90s? And that's what we don't want to see if you're a bull and you're looking for this move back up. But of course, if you're bearish and you're trying to see inflation come down, and I can't blame you for that outlook either, well, we'll need this to kind of keep coming down. And it's not really the price of Oxy that's going to matter. It's going to be more about crude. If it can come down below that 80 price point, yeah, I, I do see inflation keep coming on down a little bit faster. We'll see what happens there in Oxy. Uh, just want to take a quick peek. I know that UNG got hit hard yesterday. Has continued down today, so natural gas not looking any better today. So we'll see if that can ever bounce back or not. All right, in a second, we're going to get into our next interview here, and then we're going to get into agricultural commodities. Excited to go ahead and dive into the Tucrium trading uh, funds, and we, we'll take a look. Of course, we've had Tucrium on before, and I'm excited to hear what's going on because Will we get another wheat run? Will this kind of kind of get that next lift? I think these are all questions that investors are asking themselves because, you know, we're worried about inflation. And I can't blame you on that. The SPY putting a little bit more of a low in now trying to make a move back above the VWAP. We've talked about this all day long that it hasn't really held up there. We'll see if it can make a drive. Um, interesting to see kind of gold stocks really take on off. It could be the dollar coming on down. Just need to kind of keep an eye out on the dollar index. It's been driving a lot of gold and silver trades. And that's what I've been seeing a lot from some of the traders on out there. Silver having a good day also today. SVM getting some lift there. PAAS. This is one that I kind of trade um, when I'm looking at silver. Um, and, and they're definitely getting a little bit of a bounce. A lot of this based on, I, I would say, the dollar index. So keep on watch. We'll see what happens there. And let's go back to like kind of our disaster stock of the day, FedEx. Are we finally bouncing there? It looks like we're finally bouncing. We're not looking like we're going towards that 156.88, at least for right now. And it looks like at least some sideways action here in FedEx versus just another leak into the intraday. And Apple, I've been looking to see if we get back above the VWAP. Um, it was trying to come back uh, towards that 148, now bouncing a little bit there. 
All right, we'll see what else is going on. Let's keep going. Let's take a look on some of the biggest movers on the day. Just wanted to kind of take a look at some of our leadership to see if we're finally getting some bounce in some of the leadership. Um, if you take a look here, looks like J&J is probably one of the best stocks on the day. Um, and definitely drug manufacturing stock. If it can close back above the 165, it's already at 166, almost 167. This is definitely going to be a stock that I'll be looking to see if it can find the bounce. And of course, a lot of these are being watched for what? For GARP plays, right? Growth at a reasonable price. And it doesn't look too bad right now. Definitely getting a little bit of a bounce. All right, I'm going to get out of Johnson & Johnson. We're going to go ahead and get into our second interview today. So do me the favor, guys, on out there. Hit the thumbs on up, and let's get excited to go ahead and talk about agricultural commodities. This isn't something that you usually hear so much excitement about, but in this environment, definitely exciting. Let's jump on in. All right, let's bring on Jake Hanley, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Specialist at Tucrium Trading. Welcome on, Jake. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. I'm excited for the show. I got to tell you, you have so much fun on this show. It is, it is, it's wonderful information. You do a great job with those charts. And I'm, I'm jealous you get to do this all day. Well, I've I, been working up to getting a little bit on your standard too, Jake. I saw that you were a CMT, so shout out to that. I'm hey, actually you. working right now on my level two, so... Trying to, trying to, you know, put put things into practice because that's really how we learn, right? That's exactly right. Keep at it. It's well worth it. Definitely. Now let's go ahead. Let's jump on in. You can help us catch up in the agricultural commodities market. What has the sentiment been like lately? Yeah, so you've seen some risk coming off the table for, well, prices have been coming down. So people have been um, taking money out of these commodities over the last couple months, basically over the, the summer time frame. Um, and that's as the headlines started to uh, not include uh, Russia uh, you know, bombing Ukraine. Uh, you had this grain deal that came from the Black Sea region where Russia worked with Turkey uh, to make sure that Ukrainian grain could come through the Black Sea. And that news put some some price pressure on on agricultural commodities. Wheat, you know, most uh, most specifically. Um, and just today, we see a turnaround in prices midday, uh, coinciding with headlines that that Putin is promising to scale up his aggression in Ukraine again and attack infrastructure. Um, and so, you know, wheat in particular is really trading wartime headlines, and that's that's some volatility. Um, and then we got to talk about the weather, too, and we can get into that in a little bit. But the, the big picture story is that global grain balance sheets remain tight, and that means the trade remains volatile. Yeah, just recently, we just got the initial WASD reaction, right? And uh, for our traders that might not know out there, this is the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimate. Talk a little bit about this report and why we should be keeping watch if this is some, especially something that we're looking to trade. And tell us about the potential troubles that are maybe be ahead for U.S. corn. Yeah, absolutely, Will. And I would say we call it the WASD. So shorthand is WASD. Um, you know, follow that us on, easy. On, <laughs> on Twitter. Absolutely. And, and you know, tune into our to our newsletter as well at 2 to stay up to date with this because the WASD is the gold standard in the supply-demand information 
for commodity agricultural commodity markets and we're very focused on the grains of course and so it comes out once a month it is a usda government report and the market trades these numbers analysts issue expectations for what the numbers might be uh, that's helpful for traders because it gives us a range uh, of expectations and sometimes the actual numbers come in outside those ranges and when that happens, that's when you get a real surprise. And so we saw a surprise in soybeans in this latest WASD, uh, where the government revised lower their harvested acre expectations and also revised lower their yield expectations. So all of that equates to lower than expected U.S. soybean production, which is a big deal because this is now the third year in a row where the United States is expected to use more soybeans than we produce. Okay, so when your consumption exceeds your production, you have a supply and demand problem, and that's very supportive for prices. Now, you mentioned corn too. Corn, <laughs> corn, we thought is was going to be where the action was in the surprise in the last WASD. Um, expectations are for U.S. corn yields to probably trickle down lower from what we even saw in September, um, and so U.S. corn and soybean production is being revised lower. Uh, and again, that's that's supportive for prices. Definitely. Now let's talk about the wheat situation, because, of course, that was the forefront for a long time until we got kind of that Black Sea deal. What's going on in wheat? Yeah, wheat, again, is going to continue to trade the headlines in the in the wartime market um, on a global basis. The world is set to consume more wheat than we produce for the third year in the world in the row. Okay, and that's on a global basis. And again, when you consume more than you produce, that's tightening balance sheets. Uh, also, just to point out, when we say we're consuming more wheat than we produce, we are also producing a record amount of wheat this year. Humanity has never produced this much wheat, and it's still not enough to keep up with demand. Add to that supply chain concerns and moving it from A to B because you can't get through the Black Sea or there's question marks as to whether that trade will continue. And you have you have some real uh, gunpowder building up underneath the wheat markets. So I would say as it relates to corn, wheat and soybeans, the situation exists where if there is volatility surprise, uh, it could be to the upside because of the tight balance sheets. Now, I will take a step back and just give you some context here. Our overall base case is for grain prices to trickle lower over the next few months. And that coincides with the U.S. harvest. When the U.S. harvest comes in, we have more corn, wheat, soybeans, and so forth than we'll have all year, right? We have one harvest a year, so a big pile of grain um, is, is harvested. And over the course of the year, we take out of that big pile of grain. So as that supply comes on seasonally, um, that is going to be bearish, bearish for prices. And so that seasonal pattern uh, exists. And so the base case is for prices to trickle lower in the near term. But again, these global balance sheets and U.S. domestic corn and soybean balance sheets remain very, very tight. So there could be a surprise to the upside against the seasonal trade. Definitely. Now, of course, what do you see in 23? I mean, uh, the focus right now, we're looking at 22, but of course, uh, new crops coming in for next year. Do you still see the world's uh, supply still having supply disruptions? All right. So for the humanitarian in us all, there is hope coming out of South America. South America is expected to produce a record amount of corn and soybeans uh, this year. They're starting to plant that right now. The big wild card is weather. Unfortunately, we've had two years back-to-back -back 
La Nina climate patterns. La Nina means very dry weather in Brazil and Argentina to massive agricultural commodity producers. It also means dry weather in the United States plains. And we've seen that drought and it's been a big problem. Right now, it looks like we are still in a La Nina for possibly the third year in a row. So depending on how strong this La Nina is and how long it lasts, uh, it could further complicate production in South America that would be supportive for prices, but again, bad for the humanitarians in us. Um, and so overall, you have to look at the fact that production costs are continuing to go up. And we can point to energy as being a big culprit there. Uh, fertilizer production out of, out of Europe taking a hit because of high natural gas prices, okay? All of these things push up the cost of production. So ultimately, even if grain prices, corn, wheat, soybeans were to trickle lower, uh, there is some support because production costs are, are going higher. Uh, and so, you know, we could look at a chart from 2014 through 2020, where we basically could draw a line at the futures equivalent price of $3.50 for a bushel of corn. That's to suggest that a farmer on average in the United States could break even if he could sell his corn for $3.50 a bushel. Uh, just read some research yesterday that puts that price in some parts of this country at $5.90 a bushel, okay? And so what that means is we're likely dealing with higher food prices for longer. And, you know, longer isn't that long term when we look out to the spring and summer of 2023. Inflation concerns on that end. But let's talk and let's wrap on up here with what catalyst should we investors be watching moving forward? Yeah, basically keep a real close eye on the what's known as the stocks use ratio. So we, we talk a little bit about technicals on, on this show. And so this is something that's a little bit in the weeds, but I think the audience can really grab onto this. The stocks use ratio is found, shameless plug, on our website. We, we post this information on our website, tucrium.com, but you can also find it in the, the WASD report. You take the ending stocks and you divide it by the total usage. That ratio, as it goes lower, is supportive for prices. As that ratio goes higher, it suggests that the balance sheet is expanding and uh, it could be putting price pressure uh, downward. OK, so for for the audience, keep a close eye on on the supply uh, and demand situation overall. And of course, you got to watch this war in Ukraine and you have to watch the European energy crisis. Uh, those are those are big issues. Well, thank you for joining me today, Jake Hanley, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Specialist at Tucrium Trading. And I did see some of the articles that you guys put out. I saw your name by there. So uh, <laughs> definitely, if you guys want to check out a little bit of more of Jake, definitely go to the website, check out those articles. thought they were a really good read. Appreciate thank you coming Thank you very on, much. Jake. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Definitely. All right. There you guys have it. That's what it's all about here on Stock Market Movers, trying to keep you guys in the informational edge. You know, there's one thing that I could point at, you know, yellow, red flags here to pay attention. But there's nothing like getting to these funds. Of course, the Tucrium funds, you guys can check them on out. Uh, they have a lot of ETFs that you guys can follow along. Of course, if you guys want to maybe trade some of these tickers, I just wanted to review them for them. Uh, you guys got wheat, you got corn, right? You got soybean. Uh, corn has really kind of taken off lately. That's the one that I've been looking at. I was watching wheat also kind of setting on up there, trying to make a move above nine, keeping a close eye on these. If you guys want to check them out, Tukirum Wheat Fund or some of the other ones, just go on to their website. And I'll make sure here to include 
uh, the recent reactions here. I'll actually throw it up in the chat for you guys. I know that we're going to be wrapping up here in about five minutes. So if you guys want to check out uh, the Tucrium site, there you guys have it. Just posted it in the chat. All right, let's go take a, a look into the market, see what we're seeing. Are we cutting through that low? And just when you think we're going to get above, right back down towards those lows. And another thing that I look at is about the third time, right, when we're going to try to cut through something. I always look at this. Um, so now we're. this is about the third time. Let's see what happens here. Do we get another bounce on up or do we get the crack down there? As, as you get lower and lower and you test it, test it, test it, a lot of the times we'll get the crack. Apple's another way that I'll be looking for this is a breakdown through that 148.48. And Tesla turning around, going towards the red, not what we want to see. The opening price on Tesla, 298.90. It's trying to hang on right now at 299.22s. We'll see if it's able to hang on. And I can see kind of a trend line here. If that breaks, watch out. We could be heading right back down. Like always, we never know. But the only thing we can do is try to stick to our rules. All right. What's going on out there? It's bad. It's nice to hear thoughts about agricultural commodities being reiterated by someone who knows more than what's going on than I do. That's why I do it, Ready Trader One. That's why I get my guests on, really, because you know there's one thing that I can look up things, but I'm no expert in wheat. I want to bring those wheat experts for you guys. So if you guys have, for any reason, an area that you want expanded upon, you guys want experts on, let me know. I, I'm, I will do my best to go ahead and get these analysts or maybe it's a company that you want on. Go ahead and let me know. Hit the comments after the show, and I'll make sure to catch them and reach on out to go ahead and continue expanding right here on Stock Market Movers. All right, so if you guys got stocks, you guys want to check on out, go ahead and throw them up. I'll give a couple of minutes here for some ticker time, 157. We've got about three minutes left here. Let me know if anything's on your eyes. Uh, Mitch, in 10 years from now, you will have no interest watching those 15-minute movements because that's nonsense. I, I, I mean, Daniel, I wouldn't disagree or agree with that. I'll tell you right now, the 15-minute is more my intraday indicator. I love the hourly charts. I will tell you that. My favorite chart is the hourly. If I've learned a little bit, it's more sticking to the hourlies, but daily hourlies 15 minutes are what I use often. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to use a 15 minute. I've seen 15 minute patterns have a tendency of holding pretty well. Um, now I do understand why you're kind of shorting, uh, kind of stating that because at the end of the day, you know, there's too many kind of like five, three, even one minute traders that are trying to trade off of those one minute. The one thing that I would say that you are right is that at the end of the day, one thing you learn as you trade more and more or you get longer in investment period is that you want to be more risk adverse than going into risk, right? And that's one thing that I definitely have learned as an investor being through this year over year and year out is that I am way more risk adverse than I used to be, but still am able to go ahead and take some shots. But I think that like always, the first move is capital preservation and then it's about making a little bit of money. Then when you can do that and you can make a little bit of money, it's all about trying to get into that thriving stage. But a lot of traders just have problems with just capital preservation. So 
at least if there's one thing that you want to look into is understanding that first. All right. Uh, looks like some stocks being called on out the Fubo. There were so many people trying to get this stock to get moving there. I can't blame them because there was a lot of pump talk out there. But look how Fubo came right back down. Fubo needs to change something up. For some reason, they cracked. And when they cracked, a lot of it was what when they started changing pricing. They talked about the sports betting, but I don't see anything really big coming out of that. That's what I would be watching on Fubo. Another thing is, can they get some advantage? They have advantage in soccer, but in my eyes, they don't have advantage in kind of every every space in streaming, right? They do have an advantage in soccer, but they still need some other things. They do have like red zone. Maybe red zone helps them out a little bit. So keep your eyes on that. But for right now, I still need Fubo to change something up, at least in my eyes. Uh, TMC. TMC, uh, the, the floor mining, seafloor mining company, is getting some push. One thing that gives us a little bit more insight that this might not be a bad move is the amount of volume that came in here. So this looks like a good pump today. It's definitely getting some lift. I don't know if it has some news. I will look into it, um, but definitely a lot of volume, getting some lift through that 110. We'll see what happens on this one, if it can make its way to 150. Uh, you got the 200-day around there. That's the next stop for me. Uh, definitely can push through at least through that 132. Next stop would be 150. We'll see if it gets up there. TMC. The party. You guys want to talk about the party. Look at you guys. Uh, party. Um, is your Rumble channel legit? Actually, you guys, no post for six months. We actually got off of Rumble, uh, but it was legit. We, we did uh, have an account there. Um, we just haven't posted on there in a while. Uh, big reason is the cost. There's just no point. We have the videos right here. You guys can check them out. Uh, party definitely coming back down, rejecting the breakout there. And so we'll see what happens maybe in October, but for right now in September, it's pulling on back. Let's let it get into October time. And then you'll probably see a little bit of a spike with Halloween, but honestly, they don't have the best business, right? And so we'll see what happens here. Look for the weekly to kind of hold the nine and start getting back above the two. But this is going to be a battle. It doesn't look like the stock that everybody thought it was going to be. All right, that's going to do it for me. It's 201. Alvin Smith, I saw your EMPH. That's the last one. I'll, I'll do a little extra one for you. Um, EMPH, I did see solar kind of hanging on. And so look at how this daily candle hangs on to the 9 EMA. I've talked about this stock often. It's one of the best ones in solar. It's really hanging on just like SEDG is hanging on here. Let's look to see if they take that next leg up. What's going to lead first solar first solar has come back, but really held on to this kind of pullback looking to make another leg. Look to see if you get first solar going towards that 140. That's going to give us the insight that still having that kind of bubble action in solar. And you can see it here on kind of like a four hour chart. Look at this look at this trend. It is trying to get on through there and then start making that next leg up. First Solar is the one that I would watch for ENPH as the next leader. A lot of that why? Because 60% of the revenue coming from US side business, of course, we're keeping an eye on to see what happens with the climate. Uh, of course, there's more money going into solar, right? There's going to be more pushes. We'll see if this bubble can continue. All right, that's going to do it for me. I hope that you guys had a great show today. 
uh, taking a look at all the topics that we talked about. We talked about the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. We talked about sanctions on Boeing and Raytheon, FedEx disaster, the Uber hack, AstraZeneca's COVID-19, General Electric uh, warning, uh, Genius Sports, Tesla's rating. We'll see what happens to Tesla if it could actually make that move on up. Bolero, the Bear Cave short report on Coinbase, and of course, getting into some commodities with the Tucrium Fund today. I hope that you guys enjoyed Stock Market Movers. I'll see you guys on at the close, of course, at 3.30 with Joel Alconin. Until then, have some, you know, have a good time, have a little lunch. I'll be back and do the same, and we'll continue going right here on Benzinga. Hit the like if you guys enjoyed today's show.